0: Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates during events like General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery. We want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us on this journey as we learn what it means to be Free Methodist in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. episode 157. This is November 2nd, 2020. Just a couple things I wanted to mention. Um, today, as you probably noticed when you downloaded the episode, we're going to be talking with Kevin Austin again. Um, this was all recorded in the exact same day as the first episode in this series. And as you'll see in just a moment, it's very different from the other one that we posted already. Um, you'll hear that for yourself. I don't need to go into the details of that. But... I do want to mention um, the audio quality is the same as the first episode, uh, so I know some comments came in on that to say, hey, maybe there were some settings that were messed up or something. Um, it was just the fact that I made the mistake to, to not realize uh, Kevin was a little further away from the microphone than I realized. It wasn't picking up his voice as loudly as mine in relation to mine, so um, uh, yeah, so it, so there's nothing we can do on the settings there, um, but just keep an eye on it in the future. Uh, so. I just want to apologize for that again. um, It's not that uh, it's inaudible or in any way. It's just that Kevin's voice is going to be, his volume will be lower and quieter than mine uh, during those recordings that we did. So um, that being said, I wanted to mention also, um, you'll know if you were listening to some of the other episodes that Kevin had a fall when he was hiking and broke uh, bones in his face. We had given some updates on that. Um, he had an infection uh, a little over a week ago as a result of, of kind of the recovery and surgery process. Um, and so the antibiotics that he got... Um, just learned just the other day uh, that he had a doctor's appointment, and he has months of recovery from the surgery still ahead of him. But the infection is gone, and all is well in terms of um, the the recovery process. So uh, he has another appointment just before Thanksgiving. So especially since we're talking to Kevin today, we want to be praying for that and for his recovery. And secondly, um, I'm going to ask that you continue to pray for our local team. We're going to talk about what our local team is doing um, in just a moment here um, with Kevin. But um, we we go into some strip clubs in the area. And so as you hear this, um, I pray, I ask that you would pray uh, for our team and that we would continue to have those good connections. And so I want to pray about those things as they're the subject of the episodes today. So, dear God, I just uh, pray right now that you will be with Kevin, that you'll help him to continue to recover, um, help, uh, we thank you that this uh, infection went away, and we pray that he would not have any further uh, complications to the recovery process, uh, that everything would go smoothly moving on from here, and that he can get back to doing the things that he had planned for, for this year and next year, um, d- do the things that he, he needs to do, Um and we just ask also, as we talk in just a moment here about uh, what's going on in Youngstown, we pray that you'll be with um, the Youngstown team, everybody who, who's a part of that, from the drivers to the women that go inside the clubs. Um, we just pray that you would um, just further your kingdom and that you would reach out to the women and the men who are security guards and all of that that are a part of these clubs um, and that you would just move us all in the direction of freedom. Jesus' name, amen. All right, the song you're going to hear today during this transition and at the end of the show is the song, When a Soul's Set Free by Remedy Drive off of their album, Commodity.
1: From the streets of gold comes a sweet refrain when one heart is turned, when one soul is saved. There is a song That brightens the day Angels singing along To keep the darkness at bay it breaks down the walls opens the gates It rings in the halls And in the hearts of the saints Listen when a song
0: We're back here with Kevin Austin, and uh, I would ask you to go back and listen, if you didn't, to part one of this, because we were talking about being on mission with God and what the mission of God is, and had a whole conversation about these types of things that we're going to kind of build on and talk about here, so you may want to go back and listen to the previous episode if you haven't, Um, but Kevin, um, it's good to sit down with you again. For us, it's just been a couple seconds, but for everybody else, it may have been a week or two, so... Um so anyways I, I we're going to do something a little bit different here which is um and this is Kevin's idea so it's it's a good one. We're going to actually I'm going to shift this over to Kevin. He's going to be asking all the questions now and he's going to be interviewing me. So I guess I'm the I'm the special guest of this episode. Yeah, I'm taking over. Yeah, there you go. Yeah,
2: this is good. I'm feeling the power. This is awesome. <laughs> I'll
0: send the microphone back to Washington. Now he's the new host from now yeah, on. that's
2: right. Yeah, no I don't need one more thing to do. Thanks. <laughs> No, it's great. Um, we've been having a, a conversation um, about the mission of God, the mission of the church. Uh, we've been kind of loosely uh, using the, the the new book "Set Free: Pursuing Liberation in an Age of Bondage" that um, is published through Light and Life Publications through the Free Methodist Church. So um, you can get your copy there, and you can you can check that out. But yeah, um, I wanted to take over because I want to ask Josh. Some really hard, important questions. No, okay. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I want to. Uh, I, I want to um, just explore with Josh about how he is leading the team here in Canfield and what's going on. What's going on in Canfield? Um, so have him share about his experience with uh, being on mission with God, his experience with community building, um, what's going on with the Set Free team here in Ohio. Uh, maybe we can just begin by asking. Uh, Just some some basic questions like how long have you been here? What's your experience in Ohio? Did you grow up here? How long have you been at the at the Freedom Church in Canfield? Um, And then um, You know kind of more from there and like why are you involved with set free?
0: Yeah, so well, I mean I've been here at this um, Church, which is called Freedom Church Canfield. It's in Youngstown, Ohio area Um, And so I've been here for about three and a half years, and I've been in the Free Methodist Church for maybe 13, 14 years now. Um, So I grew up in the Youngstown area um, and then uh, lived here the majority of my life. There were a few years um, I lived in Pennsylvania, which started with uh, going to Geneva College, graduating there, and getting connected for the first time out there with the Free Methodist Church. Um, My roommate, I had two roommates, and both of them were involved uh, in free Methodist churches. And so when I was graduating with a degree in student ministry, which is for being a youth pastor, um, was going to be looking for a job. And they said, oh, you know, in the Pittsburgh conference at that time, now Harvest Conference, uh, they said, well, we got a church that's actually looking for a youth pastor. So maybe since you're going to graduate, you want to look into that. So found out about, you know, the the church and applied and, and started working there my senior year. Um, and from there, worked at uh, that church and another church in Pennsylvania, so two churches in PA, and lived there for a while. Um, and so then came back to the Youngstown area um, eventually, I think it was in 2012. And, um, you know, several years ago, became the youth pastor at a church in New Middletown, Ohio. And through that, uh, then three and a half years ago, became the campus pastor here. And I'm still a youth pastor to this day. I'm in New Middletown, um, and I'm the, the campus pastor here. So it's fun. Um, there's a lot lot going on um, with all of that. Uh, but as far as set free, I don't know when the first time I, I would have heard about it was, maybe through one of the bigger events like um, the FMYC events or um, you know, maybe just Light and Life uh, in the early years, but I, I've known for about Set Free for a long time. Um, and, you know, I don't know what started my interest in um, these sorts of issues. I think one thing in college, I mean, everybody kind of changes in college or kind of gets these, uh, you know, I feel like radical views in college that could be good or bad necessarily, depending on the person. But for me, um, I was a little more reserved in high school Um, and, you know, when I got to college, started doing some more with my Bible classes and things and learning some things about the Bible that, you know, I'd always been in church, always been involved with youth groups, even, you know, in senior high was working with the junior high youth group. So even a leader to some degree. Uh, but as I started to learn more about the Bible, um, I first, like many college kids just kind of assumed like, oh, now I've got this new knowledge I know better than everybody else. So just kind of assumed that, uh, you know, everybody else was doing it wrong and, you know, I needed to teach everybody the right way or whatever. So I in college, um, I, I learned about and found out about this ministry that I, I really liked and, and even like to this day, um, but that was doing some pretty extreme things. And it was a ministry called X Church. I don't know if you're familiar with them. So xxxchurch.com. You can still go there today. If anybody's listening, that's the first time you've heard of it. You don't have to be worried about typing that in. Um, there's no you know, pornography on the site. Uh, but it's an anti-pornography uh, Christian ministry. And they were doing some extreme things. Like I say, they, the, these um, people involved, uh, which was a team of, of women going into some of these places now, strip clubs. Um, but also they were going into the Vegas porn shows and setting up a booth. Uh, and they, at their booth had Bibles. the first one they went to, um, older people in the church said, well, we, we want to help out. Why don't you give away these Bibles? And the guys are like, well, I don't don't really think people at the porn show are going to be wanting a Bible, but sure enough, um, they gave away all the Bibles. And so they still do that today. They have teams that go in and, and give away Bibles in the middle of these shows. And so, you know, I, I really liked what they did and I was like, oh, this is pretty extreme, you know, more, um, from my faith in my early life of kind of just being more laid back and like, Oh yeah, I go to church and stuff. So this other idea of like, wow, these guys are getting into the middle of some of the places you'd never think to see a Christian. Um, and so through reading almost everything that they put out at that time, you know, some of the books on the industry, the truth of the industry and some of the stuff that they were putting out and reading their blogs and stuff and, and, uh, spending some time with them also in person. Um, I, you know, started to learn more about the uh, truth behind the facade of, at that time, you know, what I was what I was hearing that was the porn industry. And, of course, that has a lot of links and a lot of overlap, even, um, with the reality that people are not just having a great time, um, uh, to the greatest degree, the people in the industry are, are actors, um, that's, like, the best possible scenario, uh, the, but... The reality is usually a lot worse than that, which is, you know, these women and men and whoever are usually drug addicted, um, you know, when the cameras go off, they're they're in the corner crying, you know, these types of things because of pain associated with what's happening. So, you know, all these realities um, to say, as I learn more about that, of course, that you learn more about human trafficking because some of the women and men are are being trafficked in these scenarios. Um, or maybe being filmed against their will you know not all of these films are production companies so you know you have um, some of these films that you think oh this is everybody consenting and this is all legal and it's and it's not uh, for many ways so you know learning more about that and then you know getting involved in the Free Methodist Church um, at some point along that process learning about Set Free um, learning about oh well we actually have a specific ministry a specific um, you know group that's uh, addressing issues of human trafficking. Um, and that's, this is all linked together as I'm learning more and more about this. So, you know, as a youth pastor, um, you know, I spoke about these types of things from time to time, um, but was never, you know, put in charge of a church uh, to the degree that I was three and a half years ago as the campus pastor. So when that happened, then, you know, everybody, uh any pastor out there, any leader, you usually try to think of what are going to be the kind of the focuses because you can't do everything. So you got to figure out how are we going to, you know, have a couple focuses here. And so we decided upon four different focuses to kind of look at and specifically get involved with. And one of those is further freedom. So um, one of the probably first things we did was, you know, I talked to, I'd already think I talked to Kevin through this podcast before. And so I had that connection. Um, so then said, well, let's try to get him to come here and see if we can, have that dinner um, and you know not just a service but also a dinner afterwards get people to hear more about this and see if we could maybe you know get a team started over here so that's where it all kind of came from and led to <laughs> where we're at today
2: yeah, and so uh, when we talk about uh, the the free teams, there's a process by which we by which we function we we invite people to create a community team and they pray, they learn, they dialogue, they network, and then there's a strategy that comes, comes about. Um, so as you're putting this team together, you're learning things about Ohio. I think it would be interesting uh, if you can, uh, Canfield, Youngstown is in northeastern Ohio, very close to the Pennsylvania border. Right. Um, what are some of the, the main challenges in this area? In terms of, of justice related things, and why why is there a need for something somebody like some organizations like set free to come along and, and, and jump in?
0: Yeah, well, I mean especially in this area, um, again it is close to Pennsylvania, a few hours away from Michigan. Um, so you know there's a lot of access to different uh, places and uh, specifically in this area, um, there's a town called Austin town. Um, and uh, in Austintown, there's a big um, I-80. There's a big uh, highway that goes straight through, as many communities have. But there's a, you know, that you could get on there and go uh, to New York, uh, right past Austintown. You can go, you know, down to Columbus and from there go many other places. So there's a lot of access um, on that highway. A lot of people driving through going different area, different places. Um, and so... Um, I mentioned that specifically because, you know, this area um, it, for years has had uh, one of the area strip clubs, um, which is, it's all kind of connected. They got a, tr- a truck stop, uh, um, a strip club, and then a very um, less than reputable hotel, which has changed names over the years and kind of shifted around. But it's always had, has had uh, negative connections and connotations with it and had the police going over all the time. So uh, prostitution happening in that hotel, again, close, right near the strip club. So because of so many people coming in and out, um, there's that uh, not only, you know, demand for the strip club, but also the prostitution, the trafficking that's happening. But I mean, we have now... Um, in the time since we started this team, you know, met some of the task force members um, in the Mahoney County Task Force who are, um, have just started up actually a few years ago. They should have done this years ago, but they've just started a task force in recent years. And so we've heard stories of, you know, uh, trucks that have been opened up on, at that truck stop, and there are actually women in the back of the trucks that they are you know, that's a pit stop, and they're headed off to, you know, or maybe they're picking up the women there, um, but they're, you know, ha- then headed to New York or to Columbus or whatever. So uh, this is a central place um, for those reasons that, you know, um, we started looking into some of those types of things as we learn more and more about it.
2: Yeah, and so um, for people that might not understand this, there's a, there, there are often circuits. There are, um, so women involved in prostitution... That are being uh, controlled are moved from location to location. They might be in one place for uh, a week or two weeks or three weeks, but then they're moved to another place, and then they're there for a short time. And then they're moved to another place, so that uh, they can't create uh, any kind of a relational connection with somebody. Um, there's, uh, you know, they're trying to avoid the police um, kind of being able to to target one particular person. Um, and of course, they're trying to control these women, so moving them around uh, is helpful to disorient them, and so that they never really know where they are. So there could be a circuit that is, you know, like uh, uh, Youngstown, Canton, Akron, Columbus, Detroit, and then back again.
0: Hmm. Um,
2: and so having things right next to the highway are are, are really good. Um, uh, that just makes good business sense for those uh, for those traffickers. Now, th- then I know that your uh, your teams are involved in ministry at the strip clubs. Yeah. And again, just before you talk about that, just for people to understand, um, strip clubs are often entryways into human trafficking. So um, they can be very lucrative for uh, for a woman who wants to strip. She might not be a trafficking victim. She might be. She might not be. You know, you just don't know. It kind of depends. But often that is then a, a gateway into prostitution, which, uh, and then there's drugs and alcohol involved, and there's more and more increasing control until eventually um, some of them become trafficked. But tell us a little bit about what's going on with the, the strip club ministry yeah. uh, that your team is doing.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and again, that's, you know, the process that we talked about last time of, you know, not feeling you need to rush right into something and um, that would have uh, rushing into things would have been a problem for me because I am someone who likes to just say, well, well, okay, what do we do? Let's get started. Um, But with the guidance of, you know, set free as the organization, um, that's one of the things, you know, that they're, they're reminding you of okay just start to meet together you know kind of find out what's happening in the community um and so that's that was a good thing to keep hearing that to kind of remind us you know not to just rush into something that's being done a million other places you know there might be a, a million teams doing something you d- you don't know until you start to, to research so th- that's to even back up from there we, you know that's where we started just meeting monthly we would if anybody saw any you know news articles just go over those during that time we actually sat through Mahoney County's first um human trafficking jury trial, um, and learned a little bit about through, through sitting through that, what that was about. Um, you know, and then, um, in, in meeting that, of course, praying and stuff, um, we started to learn about some of these things. And, you know, um, one of the guys who's on the team, you know, he, he pointed out something I think we said in our last, uh, uh, talk here on this, on the podcast. And that is, um, you know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, so, you know, we don't have to think, oh, well, none of us have thinking of strip clubs. Well, none of us have ever been in the strip club. So, you know, how do we, what do we do? Well, let's just go in there and just make it up as we go. Let's look and see if even around in this area, maybe there's somebody who's already done something. Um, is this a need? Um, you know, is there someone who can help us know what to do? So um, we found that there's n- there's nobody in this area going into the strip club. So there was a need for this to happen. Uh, but... In Canton, Ohio, which is, you know, an hour or so away, um, there is a larger group that has for many years been doing this kind of ministry, and they're called Rahab Ministries. So um, we actually had a connection to one of the women that actually lives in this area, but has uh, been going out to Canton to help their team for a long time. So we actually, at one of our then monthly meetings, had them come over and meet with them and talk to them. And um, so that idea of, you know, like they already have all the research. They had all the trainings. They had a a kind of a general all-day training on human trafficking. But then a second follow-up training, a very specific training of here's what to expect in the strip clubs. Like this is what you need to be, uh, you know, thinking about. And all these types of things. Um, So, you know, those uh, realities of, uh I would say first and foremost, people thinking of like doing something, you know, look and see, are there other resources maybe uh, that people can help you to 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 know what to do? Um, so yeah, so yeah, what they do is um as far as our team, uh, they get together and they meet first and foremost at a location which happens to be Panera Bread in Austin town, uh, and they just get together and they uh pray talk over if there's anything to talk over from the previous uh, week or previous month they go in once a month and so then they go to the clubs and actually when we started um, we thought we were gonna be going to go into four different clubs in the area uh, when when they started in January this was of course before the pandemic uh, began in January they went and they prayed in the parking lots they didn't enter in january they thought they were going to go to four clubs and they found out oh well one club is already closed so they were looking at three clubs um, so they went and prayed in the parking lot January. and said, okay, February, we're going to see. Maybe this is the month we're supposed to go in. We're going to go and plan to pray, but maybe God will say it's time to go in. So we then went to three of the clubs. And when I say we, I'm talking about a team of primarily women. Um, but, for example, in February, I was actually there and another guy. Um, we don't go into the clubs, but uh, one of the guys will drive. And when we arrive at the clubs, um, any women that aren't going into that specific club um, and the men stay in the car. They pray, but we pray with our eyes open. We're looking around, just making sure there's nothing maybe dangerous outside, just keeping our eyes open for any situations. Uh, so looking around um, and praying at that point. Um, and so uh, so anyway, so these clubs then, um, they went into, and, and in February then, we they actually entered into the three clubs and they brought gifts that time. So um, they may have like a Bath and Body Works little bundle of things that then uh, they go in, they talk to the manager um, and, you know, introduce themselves to the owner if they're there and and kind of explain what they like to do and just give these gifts uh, to the women. And so that month in February, the first month they went in, um, they were welcomed into two of the three clubs um, and the third one, they said, "Well, you know, this is a gentleman's club, only men allowed. I'm sorry, uh, but you're not, you know, you're not. We're not going to welcome you in. We, we, you're not welcome here." So um, they said, "Okay." So they left, and we said, "Well, you know, maybe we'll try again, you know, in March." Um, so the, those other two clubs, things went well. They made the connections um, and then left. And then, of course, we know that that March uh, things were shut down. So for A period of months right when we had just gotten started we introduced ourselves all of a sudden everything shut down including all the strip clubs Uh, so it wasn't until then um uh, july june or july that things opened back up and it turned out that of those three clubs one of them uh, in the austintown area was actually closed down uh it just i guess didn't have the money it shut down and never reopened it's permanently closed so now we're looking at two in our area um and so the one it that we they were worried, you know, the one that was uh still open was the one that they said, well you're never gonna be able to come in. So we thought, well, I guess it's down to one in the area. But they thought, well, we'll try it anyways. So what happens with this is one month, like I say, they bring in gifts and the next month they'll bring in uh meals and they alternate. And before the pandemic they were actually bringing in family-style meals, like a big tray of lasagna, maybe, or something like that, and then everybody goes over, the women, uh, in the dressing room. They, they all go and get it whenever they want. Now, uh, they're doing things a little bit different during this time, and they're doing individually wrapped sandwiches and those types of things. So they had that all prepared, bottles of water. Um, so, you know, again, the first one, they went right in, and the, the owner's really nice and says, oh, yeah, come on in, you know, um, lets them in, and they talk to the women, get to know them better. Uh, and then the second one, they thought, well, we'll just try. So they go up, and for whatever reason this time, um, it wasn't as if they even had to ask or think about it. They said, oh, yeah, this is great. Come on in. And uh, for whatever reason, we're just wide open to the possibility of, of making this happen. So uh, the two clubs now, they're getting right into. And um, again, since June, so now it's been a few months, and next week they're going to be going back in again with a meal again. Um, but now, of course, now that things have been steady, uh, they've been able to talk to women, get to know the names um and that's important too, because of people's memories. I mean, there's some people in the world who have great memories and can remember everything, but for most people like myself, it's just like I think I'll remember something and then i def I forget like right away so when the when these women, when the team leave. Uh, the club, what they'll do is they'll go into the car and drive across the parking lot to another, uh, drive across the street to another parking lot or whatever, and sit there and then uh, talk about all the things that they saw, the names. Oh, this woman here, her name was so and so. And oh, that bouncer, we saw him and his name was this. Uh, so that they can have that all written down. And next time they go, they they'll have a much better memory when they see that woman they're not pulling out the notes and saying oh i remember here's your name but they are already have looked at those notes in preparation for that revisit so now they don't have to go just off their memories they can uh have written them down they know everything there is to know about here's the owner here's this individual and and they can begin to build those relationships with um you know maybe 10 to 15 people would be pretty hard per location, Um, but they're remembering these things because they're writing them down. So, yeah, they're just consistently showing up and probably in there for a maximum of maybe 11 to 15 minutes, which doesn't seem, uh, by saying it, very long. Um, But from what I've been told, when they go in, they say, it seems like like years in there. It's it's just uh, time stretches when you're in there. Um, and they do get to have these types of conversations, and in fact, this past month, the one woman, as they were uh, delivering some of the stuff, said, oh, do you have, is is that the word in there? And they're like, well, no, it's not actually a Bible, but, you know, we could get you one next, you know, when we come next time, so they're going to do that, so these women are already actu- actually asking for, you know, a Bible, and uh, they're, they're given prayer requests and things like that, so um, yeah, things have, uh, even beyond the shutdown, uh, things have really been moving quickly in these relationships being opened up already.
2: Yeah, this is fantastic. I mean, it's just such great work. There's a couple things that I want to um, kind of emphasize or uh, talk about for, for a couple minutes. One is that um, you took the time, your team took the time to pray and to learn and then, and then to 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 network, to try to figure out, well, who is already doing this work? And you found this ministry in Akron, right? Canton, yeah. um, Very close by, yep. Yeah, yeah, very close by, called Rahab Rahab Ministries, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you got training from them. And that's really important because um, some people are tempted to say, well, I'm going to just start my own work. I'm going to just start my own nonprofit. And uh, often that does not uh, work very well. Um, yeah. You've got to really be thoughtful and you've got to really have your act together in order to do that. And and, and more often than not, it's not necessary. You know, So there's already somebody you can partner with. So that's great. That's, that's one of the first things that I wanted to just uh, kind of emphasize is the need, the necessity to network and to partner strong. There's, there's always people or usually there are people in our communities with which we can partner. And maybe that's all um, we need to do is partner with another organization as opposed to, you know, finding um, something new to do. The, the other thing well,
0: that... Remember that because I just want to mention something on that too. Because this is, I think, something that maybe uh, possibly people could struggle with even if they don't think they would. And that is, you know, when you do partner with these groups, uh, you may not... You or even the set free movement may not get the credit, <laughs> which could be yeah. hard because you know, when we go in, if women say, if in these strip clubs, they say, Well, where where are you from? Oh, we're from Rahab Ministries. Um, and you know, they they might give them a water bottle that says Rahab Ministries on it. Well, um, that that is it's, it's all great, and actually, it's probably better than going in there saying, We're from set free, you know, we're going to set your women free. <laughs> that may the owners might not right. like that, right. uh, but. You know, for some people, it could possibly, even though they don't realize it, deep down they go, oh, you know, we really want to make a name for Set Free Movement, Mm -hmm. and here, you know, nobody knows about that we're the ones behind this, you know. Uh, And so I want to caution people in that, you know, be careful about trying to take all the credit for yourself or your church or whatever, because really the bottom line is it's about that um, moving towards shalom, as we talked about in the other... Yeah, yeah,
2: it's not about the Set Free Movement. It's not about the Free Methodist Church. It's not about your local church. It's about Jesus, and Jesus is setting captives free. Um, And and I think that the other, the the second thing that really resonated with me is that there's relationship building happening. So the women are going into the strip clubs, and they're building relationships with these women. That's the only way that these women are going to feel safe to open up, talk about their lives, um, and, and accept any kind of help and maybe even uh, possibly become, you know, rescued out of that situation. Um, and and I, I know that your team believes this, but I think another really important point to make and and is that Jesus is already there. Yeah. Jesus is in the strip club, and he's already loving on those women and loving on the men too, mm-hmm. and loving on the owners, um, and calling them. And so your team is just responding to the call of Jesus by going in and connecting with Him already in in the strip club, yeah. and um, and then and then ministering to those to those women. Um, so I think that's a that's a really powerful story. Now let me just let me just diverge off of that and tell a story of my own. So, yeah. um, You know, people listening to this might be thinking, "Oh my goodness, like." <laughs> really (laughs) I could never go into a strip club yeah it's so scary and 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 some people might be even just like sitting back in their chair and thinking man like I understand ministering to the women but you know Christians going into that Mm. place of unholiness right um so I was in uh Mumbai India in uh January 20 uh 2019 and I was meeting with International Justice Mission, who is working with the Indian police to, um, to, to do a variety of things, but one of which is to identify and, and rescue underage women involved in prostitution. Now, how they have to do that is they have to have two bogus buyers, pretend buyers, go into a brothel, pick out a girl they think is underage, pay money, so one watches the other do this. And then, so they create a transaction. And they have to be willing to testify in court as well. Hmm. And then and then they leave. And, and they, they alert the police. And the police then raid the place. So, I mean, I love asking this trick question. is like, is it okay for Josh and I to go into a brothel? Yeah. You know? Like, if I were to, to stand up in front of your church and say, how many of you think it's a good idea for Kevin right. and Josh to go into a brothel? Raise your hand. Yeah, Nobody yeah. would raise their hand. And right. like people would have... have shocked looks on their faces that I would even suggest it. But the reality is is that uh, in, in Mumbai, there are 400 pastors hmm. on a list that IJM can call to go into brothels. So pastors are partnering with IJM, they're partnering with the Indian government to go into brothels to identify underage girls. And then years later, because uh, that's how long the legal system takes, there are, they are going into court and testifying, and they're pastors. Now, hmm. you probably realize that India is not a friendly uh, place for Christians in most places. So this is an incredible witness opportunity. And, and within the Free Methodist Church, we have Free Methodist pastors that do this. Yeah, We've got Free Methodist pastors that take off their suits, put on T-shirts. Um, maybe they don't shave for a couple days or whatever, and they go into brothels. To help identify those girls. And, and why do they do that? Because they're following Jesus into the brothel. They're following yeah. Jesus. Jesus is there. In the same way that your women, uh, and, and and the men that are in the parking lot praying and the women are going in are, are on mission with Jesus. They're on mission with God to bring hope and healing to those broken women. Yeah. And 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 hope to bring them out of that darkness
0: yeah that's just, and it's interesting because, like in the last conversation last episode, you know we talked about reaching people, even these types of conversations uh make people more interested, possibly in you know Christ or having that conversation. Because um, I, I mean, I'm thinking about uh, some of these things that are, are funny to, to say, like, all oh, these pastors, they went into a brothel, you know, and then it's like, what, what are you talking about that people want to know more about why that is uh, the same thing with some well, woman on our team, you know, she has on her phone, the calendar, she was just telling us, um, you know, she she marked down strip club uh, once a month. And the thing is that that calendar was linked with everybody at work. So everybody at work said, what? you're, what's this? Lee's going to the strip club. Like, what in the world? Uh, and, and so, you know, it's like a funny thing because then she gets to explain that. But it's also like now this talking point where it's like, oh, wow, she goes in there. That's interesting. And now she's been able to, everybody at work knows about this thing that's going on. What a
2: great witness opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're yeah. like, what? You're going into a strip club? Like, why are you doing that? And yeah. she's got this great opportunity to say, well, because these women are trapped in darkness and as a christian i want to see them set free yeah like wow yeah it's incredible
0: yeah and it's totally different in a non-christian work environment because you know people may not look negatively like oh well have fun at the strip club you know whatever people might say and then it's like oh well actually here's what's going on and people don't expect that (laughs)
2: yeah it's not
0: something that often happens i guess
2: yeah and and one of the other things i love about what your team is doing too is that um and of course COVID 19 at this, at the time of this recording, yeah, there's we're still in the middle of this um, pandemic here in the United States. But um, there's this kind of twofold thing that you've you're, you're focusing on. It seems to me one of them is the strip club ministry, which we've been talking about. The other one is the education and awareness piece in, in local schools, mm-hmm. which you really haven't been able to do much of yet. Yeah, um, and and. And most of our teams, so we have uh, somewhere around 40 teams in nine countries now, and most of our teams are involved in education and awareness as well as something else that's you know similar uh, in some ways to to your strip club ministry. so they're they're involved in you know like our our team in uh, Monterey, California, Monterey Bay, California is doing a lot of education in schools. Um, but they're also gearing up to launch a restoration home. Same thing in, in Spring Arbor, Jackson. Um, they spent years and years and years in the schools per, trying to prevent human trafficking, and there's, they still do that, but uh, right now they've got their hands full trying to launch this home for teenagers um, uh, to get uh, homeless teens off the streets. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a great model that you're doing, both yeah. the prevention education as well as the... Um, Maybe not rescue so much, mm-hmm. but um, but restoration, bringing hope and healing to broken people.
0: Yeah, yeah. And when we had our team, it kind of came out of that because we have you know uh, multiple people that weren't going to be able to, for different reasons, do anything with the strip club ministry besides um, you know support it in prayer and and uh, maybe financially in some ways, um, but. You know, they were involved maybe in a school or you know, had these types of connections. So it was like, okay, well, that seems like maybe another obvious way um, that we don't have to start from scratch. We have people who are already involved with youth and with people in these ways. So we might as well use that to our advantage. We have uh, information we have uh, from um, from Felicia that she told us about. So, hey, why don't we just use that information and use it to teach? It's easy enough. Yeah, yeah. So. We're looking forward to a time where things open up again and, and we think we'll be able to, you know, like I say, we only, we went, did one youth group and um, one um, winter retreat where we got to, so we got to speak to a couple of hundred kids in total probably, but, you know, we were hoping to have a lot more by this point.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's a question for the listeners and a question for you, Josh. Um, let's say that your, um, your strip club ministry is really, really successful and um, now you have women coming to your church who may still be stripping. Yeah. Like they're just, you know, they've made this relational connection with your team and, and, and these women uh, they've, they've become friends and your team members say, Hey, what you, what are you doing Sunday? Why don't you come to church? Um, you know, would you like to come to church? I'll come, I'll come pick you up or whatever. So, um, you know, pastors listening to this or church people listening to this um how would you feel about having strippers at your church yeah you know who are still maybe actively stripping because they've not quite gotten to the point where they they have um really made a commitment to Jesus they're still kind of exploring it oh, and or they're really stuck like this is their job and and this is this is the way they can live and and, uh, and and maybe they're even drug addicted, um, you know. Who knows? I mean, there's all sorts of, of issues that come with this. But um, Josh, how do you feel about having strippers come to your church? Like, what do you think? What do you think people? Uh, how you pe- think people would respond to that if they knew? Right. And uh, and is it a welcoming environment for anybody? Yeah. Not just the sanctified.
0: Yeah. And that, 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 so like, that's the thing before, you know, you have, hopefully you can find a way in churches to create like a culture of, you know, something like this beforehand so that you're not scrambling at the last minute, you know, as someone walks in the door to say, oh, how how are the people going to react? You know, hopefully, um, but it, it it is scary in a way because it's on an individual level. You know, you could... Preach all these sermons or, you know, have these small groups and read these books during Sunday school or whatever, and still people feel judgmental on an individual level. Uh, so I think the best that we could do is create a culture of, you know, this acceptance. And I mean the same it's the same thing with another big issue, you know, right now, which is LGBTQ and you know, what if a a, a gay married couple came into your church and they wanted to you know come in Great and question. have a service? It's like, okay, well, you know, or is everyone going to look at them weird and be mad if they're holding hands during the songs or something? Uh, you know, hopefully they, they wouldn't be um, because, uh, you know, to think of this, this stripper, you know, um, first of all, we see that it's just a person. It's a, it's a human being coming into the service. And we may not even know, you know, if there's a woman coming in who's a stripper, we may not know, uh, except for those who have been to the strip clubs, may not know who she is. Just think, oh, it's just a woman attending, you know. Um, and so you'd have to really get into her life to learn more. Um, but hopefully, once you got to that point, once you start to have those conversations, once you're doing the, that face-to-face interaction and, again, building that community, those relationships. Um, when you get to the point of asking that question of, oh, you know, like, where do you work? Or, you know, as people do, you're not at that point then going to go, oh, really? Okay, well, you know, and kind of get all awkward and walk away. Um, So, you know, my hope would be that people would be open to anybody walking in. And then as you learn things about their life, um, you know, you you don't have to agree um, with decisions or, or how their lifestyle or anything of a person. Uh but as my friend Jason once once said, you know, we can disagree wholeheartedly and still maintain civility. And hopefully in the church it's even greater than that, not just civility, that I'm going to tolerate you, you know, being next to me during the service, but that we somehow go, okay, we can disagree on a very, you know, deep level and yet still um, you know, have meaningful conversations, you know, and and grow as people together. Um, and not only that, but of course, when we're talking about something like this, um, it may it may be more involved than just a disagreement of a lifestyle or something, yeah. because we don't know what's causing or forcing that person to stay in that situation. So it, it may be even deeper than this person is choosing to, to live this life.
2: Yeah. And, um, you know, you brought up a really important point, and I was immediately convicted because I shouldn't have talked about... Um, uh, a woman as a stripper, in the way that I did, because mm. words matter. Um, they're not prostitutes, they're women who have been prostituted, and she's not a stripper, she's a woman who strips, yeah, you know sure. we've got to keep that humanity um centralized. She's a human being created in the image of God, yeah, with dignity and value, and I turned her into a thing by calling her a stripper. Mm. so she's a woman who strips, yeah, she's not a stripper, she's not a hooker, she's a woman. Who strips, or she's a woman who's involved in prostitution. Yeah. And, and I think it's important for us to shift that language and and refocus on the humanity. We've got to, uh, and, and I think this applies to so many other things. This applies to so many other things because we objectify people all the time those Republicans, those Democrats. Mm -hmm. We've turned a human being into a thing by talking in that way. When we use racial slurs, we've turned a human being into a thing that's easier to hate um, because we've we've taken away their humanity. So um, I think uh, it's really important for all of us, including myself, Uh, that was a good teachable moment. Here I am, I'm the leader of a a, uh, anti-trafficking human, uh, you know, human trafficking organization. And I slipped up and I uh, turned a woman into a thing in that conversation. We've got to be really careful. We've got to uh, keep uh, re-humanitizing. Is that even a word? Um, people. People are created in the image of God. And they are not defined by what they do. They are defined by who they are as precious in the eyes of God. Which is the beautiful thing about what you're doing by going into the strip clubs, and even when you're, I think you can even do that as you're doing a, awareness and education in the schools, mm-hmm. by helping people to realize they are not things to be used; they're human beings created in the image of God with dignity and value.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that.
2: Well, good. This is a great conversation, Josh. Yeah. Um, you well, can thanks. find out more about all of this stuff on this at the Sephary Movement or uh, website setfreemovement.com or .org doesn't matter and you can check out the book Set Free Pursuing Liberation in an Age of Bondage and you can find that book uh, on, to order on the website as well awesome. yeah thank you yeah
1: thank you to this song in the night will help you to find listen where the soul set free You can hear the angel sing. Oh, heaven rings when a soul's set free. You can hear.